Hello and welcome to here's John's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will try to be nice to movies but may indeed having to end up to slice and dice them. Each and every month there's a thing. This month is Summer Camp Massacre as a look at the Sleepaway Camp movies. This also is part of the Summer of Same Sex. So tonight I'm looking at Sleepaway Camp coming out way back in 1983, the movie with that twist ending. Now, I never heard of this movie until the late 90s, I guess the 13th stole its thunder. When I first saw this, I'll be back in 2003, I thought this was a very blah slasher until the twist ending. However, even with that, it wasn't that shocking, shocking even. Hello, crying game. All I knew about this was it was a real summer camp. The movie used actual teenagers instead of people in their 20s. And this made something like 30 times its original budget. And now it's thought of as the trans movie. Except, is it a trans movie? That's what I'm here to find out. So, pitch a tent, not that time, you dirty bastard. And see what's what at Camp Hackenslash. Oh, sorry, Camp Arwak. I think that's how you pronounce that bloody camp name. How the fuck name knows? I mean, it took me forever to find a bloody thing. And moving on. With is a $350,000 budget, this thing pulled in 11 million. Starring Felicia Rose, Jonathan Tiersten. Karen Fields, Mike Kellen, and Robert Earl Jones, read by Robert Hilzik. The plot, Angela Baker, a shy, quiet little girl, is sent to summer camp by her loving, if insane, aunt, along with her older cousin, I think older cousin, while there, everyone who is mean to her, die. Is she the killer? What is her big secret? Why is the camp owner such a mean bastard? Find out here. So the move opens up on shops of an empty camp. And note, this camp is longer in existence as it was pulled down to build condos on top of it in the late 90s, or 90s actually. Also, the writer, director, uh, producer, and all sorts, wrote this away back when he was 23, so this is not a report for Friday the 13th. And he was sent there as a kid to camp, that is. This was shot in September of 82, so the production team had to paint the leaves green on every tree they could get their hands on. To make it look like it is early summer, not late summer. All except the opening credits. As you can plainly see, there's orange and yellow leaves on trees. Anyway, weird disembodied voices are heard over the empty summer camp as the god-awful theme is played. This theme is a fucking try-hard theme. I hate the fact it's not synth, but an orchestra as this is trying way too hard for this camp little movie. Finally, after three painfully long fucking minutes of opening, does the movie cut to a lake and it's seven years earlier. We see twins, Angela, played by Colette Lee uh, Cochran, I think it's name, and Peter, played by Frank Sorrentino. Note, he's the brother of the situation. God. They argue on a rented boat as their dad catches some sun. Try to ignore his bitter, bickering kids. Out of nowhere, two teens collide into the boat and the dad is killed outright along with one of the kids. However, the other one survives. And this op- Why in the hell am I watching this opening and praying to God that the parents would come and eat everybody on the fucking scene? These teens acting is fucking abysmal. I swear to God, one of the teens spends about 30 seconds screaming, Somebody help them, somebody! And my lord, I was like, 
Pranas eat her now. Jesus jinkies. I mean, fast forward eight years. We meet now 13-year-old Angela, played by Felicia Rose, and her cousin Ricky, played by Jonathan Tearston. Also their crazy aunt Martha, played by the late Disarray Gold. And note, this character is parodied greatly in another gay movie. Anyway, this aunt is delightfully insane as she talks to herself in the third person. And note, on the set, Felicia and Jonathan had a thing for each other, even though she was 13 and he was 17. Thankful it went fucking nowhere. Now, I want to know something here. What happened to the dad and the other twin? How did this insane woman get Angela? Where the hell's the mum and or grannies or grandparents of the either side of the family? Why is this insane aunt got them? Hmm. Anyway, I love the fact how they dropped the aunt as a quote-unquote doctor and did the physicals on the the children, so no one at the camp has to do it. Okay then. Cut to three yellow school buses emptying out of children. And note, these are the children of the production crew and indeed some of the actors' family members. Watching the kids borrow off the buses are the camp owner, Mel, played by Mike Kellen, who died shortly after shooting due to cancer. Head camp counsellor, Ronnie, played by Paul Delangelo. Perverted paedophile cook, Artie, played by Owen Hughes, who calls little girls, quote, baldies, that's just fucking disgusting. And assistant cook, Ben, played by Robert Earl Jones, James Earl Jones' dad, who just laughs at Artie's comments. What the fuck, you know he's a paedophile, but you're going to sit and laugh at his comments? Walks Paul, played by Christopher Collett, Collett, sorry, he's friends with Ricky who introduced him to Angela and boom, they're in love. Ricky shows Angela around camp until he spots Judy, played by Karen Fields. She and he were quote-unquote steady the previous summer. However, she's all woman and don't need no boy. And she has all the male camp counsellors buzzing, buzzing around her like flies to shit. Uh, she's 13 and or 14 and these counsellors are 18 to 23. Way too fucking young, you bunch of fucking pedo perverts. She's loving the male attention, however. She's way up her own arse and thinks she's Miss It. As she blows Ricky off, come him a boy, not a man. Before going to the cabins to bully Angela. As in the cabin, we meet Meg, played by Catherine Cammy, head girl, uh, counselor, camp counsellor. Plus, she's a complete uber bitch. So, of course, her and Judy are best friends. Anyway, so Meg introduces us to... Susie, the assistant head girl counsellor. She's played by Susan Glaze. Anyway, Angela just supposed to sit on her bed and stare into nothing, but indeed she stares daggers into Judy. So the other counsellors gang up on her and call her a weirdo? Kidding. Cut to the mess hall. I love the fact that there's fly paper everywhere in this fucking movie. This thing is very hygienic. It's fucking disgusting. They have it over pots, they have it over weird places. It's fucking disgusting. And there's Dozens, if not millions of flies in these fucking things. It's just disgusting. Now, hold on a second to you. It's three days later. Meg tells Ronnie Angela hasn't eaten, eaten anything in three days. How is that even possible? By the way, what is with Ronnie's short shots? I swear to God, you can see his testicles and dick clear as days in some of these fucking things. Moving the fuck right on. Here he takes Angela to the camp cook to see if he can make her eat. Ronnie then just drops Angela off and fucks off, leaving her with the pervert. So, Artie takes it into the walk-in um, closet thing, or the hell it is, a fucking uh, dry cupboard. 
to see if he has anything she wants to eat. Gross! Luckily, Ricky saves Angela from the pedo and takes a beating for it. Not according to the behind the scenes. This was 35 takes in and Owen Hughes wasn't gentle on Jonathan Turston, who claims he had scarred up back for days afterwards as he was pushed onto these wooden shelves multiple times. So later, someone pushes the pervert fat cook into a huge pot of boiling water, which burns his face, eyes and indeed arms and he's blinded in both eyes. Good fucking pervert. Anyway. Note, this effect was done by blowing air into straws attached to thin latex boils put on the actor's face as he lay on a fake floor. And this point of view shot looks like fucking shit. Also, spoiler sweetie. You're supposed to believe a skinny, short, 13-year-old boy can push this fat cook into a pot of boiling water? A bullshit! Mind you, in saying that, he is standing on a fucking rickety wooden stool. That was an accident waiting to fucking happen. So, hmm. And note, the killer's hands are actually Jonathan Tersden's, not Felicia Rose's. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> With the pervert cook taken away in bandages, screaming in pain, it shocked up to an accident, because like I said, that was an accident waiting to happen. And note, the police cars and ambulances were actually real, so were the paramedics. The town loved the fact that movie was getting shot here, so a bit were backwards to help the production. And I love... How the camp counsellor, sorry, the camp owner wants everything covered up and forgotten about. So that's how that fucking pervert, creepy ass cook managed to get away for fucking years then. He pays Ben off with 50 bucks and pays off the rest of the cooks for 15 because he's a cheap son of a bitch. And I think that's the last time you see bloody Ben. What is the point of hiring uh, James Earl Jones' father for, what, two scenes? It's days later. Ricky plays a prank on Mozart, played by Willie Kushkin. As he blindfolds him and makes him do a sit-up that puts a teen's ass in his face and makes him kiss it and calls him a fat fag. Right, and apparently in real life, this guy, Willie Kushkin, was bullied on the set and one of the male camp counsellors had to stop the bullying because it was getting really bad, so, hmm. And like I says, he's called stupid and fat. I mean, honest to God, why the fuck didn't the killer go after Ricky? Hmm. Another male camp counsellor takes the boys outside to play baseball. He is Gene, played by Frank Salandino. Uh, what the fuck is he wearing? A skin-tight camp logo crop top with Daisy Dukes. Really, mate? That's fashion. Oh, my God. Anyway, this game goes on for three full painful minutes. I swear to God, I had two buffties and shaved multiple times within this fucking shot. Jesus Christ. Also, why in the fuck is 18-year-old boys playing... Sorry, still at camp, let alone playing with 13-year-old boys who are playing baseball? Why in the fuck? Why have you got 18-year-olds versus 13-year-olds? That's a fucking fair match right there. Anyway, that night in the rec hall, it's a dance, because of course it's a fucking dance. Some of the older teens hit on Angela, asking her to go skinny dipping. Hello, mate. She's 13 and you're 18. Pedo alert! She just sits there and stares them down, so they bully her again. She's 13 and you're fucking 18. Ricky, wearing a ridiculous cowboy hat, saves her, so he takes a beating yet again. What in the actual fuck? This is why I never went to camp, because there's too many fucking asshole bullies at camp, so fuck that. So where the fuck did he get that hat from? Moving on. Ricky drag, sorry, Ronnie drags Ricky away, 
from the douche bro, so just stand there and get away from Scott Free. Even though they started to fucking fight. So Paul hits on Angela, and finally, 30 minutes into this hour and 25 minute movie, Angela finally says good night, Paul. Her first words, well, Judy sees this, so plans revenge. And I love the fact that the two boys sitting next to her change between shots. She is that much of a slut. So wait a here. Just because Angela says goodnight to Paul, Judy must take revenge. So just because one boy does not pay an ounce of attention to Judy, she must bully Angela. Go yourself, you spoiled little fucking bitch. You're not special. Later at the lake, the douchebag older teens all go skinny dipping without the girls. So 10 horned up 17 to 19 year olds all get naked and swim with each other as the girls watch on, mocking and laughing, because that's kinky shit apparently. Hmm? Cut to one of the older teen boys, Kenny, played by John Dunn, taking out a camp counsellor, Leslie, played by Lisa Buckler, out on a lake for a midnight canoe trip, as you do. Kenny warns her not to put her hands in the water, for water snakes will bite her fingers off. He then rocks the boat and the two fall in, because that's hilarious apparently. And note, once this happens, it's a different woman that plays Leslie swimming back to shore as Lisa Buckler caught mono from the water. Apparently the fuck's that on work. So that's Missy Helzik playing Leslie, that's the director's wife. Also John Dunn sliced up his hand turning over that boat so he's pouring blood as water is, is just disgusting. Moving on. Kenny then goes under the overturned boat as somehow he's killed from under the water. Calm the fuck down Jason. So you're trying to tell me here, if the killer waited all night to kill Kenny in the water on the half chance he might just fall in? Right then. Anyway, plus the boys will see him from the fucking shore, see the killer swimming up and down. Oh, this is terrible. All the boys run to the cabin because they don't want to be caught naked by Ronnie. Harassing the girls, that is. Next day, Ronnie finds Kenny's dead body all eaten by the snakes, turtles, etc, etc. I love the fact how a snake comes out of its mouth. I mean, this is a wax dummy. So, hmm. With the body carted off, we're introduced to Frank the Cop, played by Alan Beaton and his magical tash. And note, he shaved his moustache off to play another role in another movie, so he was called back to do pick-up shots the Marx Brothers his moustache on. And again, the camp owner wants this all stripped under the rug, because he's a fucking charmer here. Cut to the girls playing volleyball as Angela just sits there watching until Judy sees Paul talking to Angela, which sparks off her jealous side yet again. Judy gets Meg to force Angela to play ball. Luckily, Susie chases away Meg and tries to bond with Angela, but she's quote-unquote too shy to play volleyball. Why can't she play volleyball? She's a fucking boy. I mean, spoiler alert. God. Anyway, that night at the Rick Hall, after the movie... Paul walks Angela hand in hand back to the cabin. Again, this doesn't sit well with Judy. As outside the cabin, Paul kisses Angela. Well, it's not a peck in the cheek, but moving on. This does not sit well with Judy at all, as the uber bitch just growls on. I mean, who then tries to steal Paul from right Angela Angela's nose, but he's having none of it. This pisses off Judy more. Inside the boy's cabin, Ricky, the little, little arsehole as he is, pushed yet another prank on Mozart by placing shaving foam on his hand and make him slap himself in the face because that's hilarious. Mozart has another shit and pulls a knife on Ricky and chases it around him in the cabin until Gene walks in takes away the knife and then puts it under his blanket for some reason. Next morning, by lakeside, Paul hits on Angela yet again. 
And again, Judas sees this and isn't pleased, so gets Meg to chase him away because apparently boys can't flirt with girls, even though Judy's doing it with fucking dozens of boys, but moving the fuck on. Meg tries to force Angela into the water, but all Angela does is sit there and stare at her. So Meg shakes her and calls her a little fucking bitch as Ronnie runs over to save her. Later, in the cabin, Judy picks on Angela, calling her a grass because apparently Meg got sanctioned or something like it was, or, or shit and at, even though she sh- clearly shook a fucking counselor, uh, a camper, rather. God, she's great this one here. Anyway, on. She then questions her why she doesn't shove with the other girls. She then calls her a queer. And this is why queer is an insult, not a fucking sexuality. For years, this was used as a barbed insult for anyone who was gay and or lesbian. But yeah, Gen Z, we got a fucking sexuality, why don't you? Susie then tries to stop Judy. But she, Judy just mercilessly rips into Angela after she hasn't says she hasn't went through puberty. So Sudi slaps Judy across the fucking face. As outside, the older teens pelt Angela with water bones. So Ricky saves her yet again and screams a string of obscenities so foul, even I blush. Mel breaks this up, but is sass-talked by the much taller, buffer, older teens. Later, the killer puts a beehive into the toilet just as an older teen leader takes a shit and I don't know what this guy's name is or even if it's actually fucking said because the DVD I have the audio is fucking shocking so I don't know what the hell this guy's name is and I couldn't make it out so fuck it just some random guy killed by bees any who the killer locks the toilet stalls using a broom, then places the bee's hive into the toilet as the teen is then stung to death. I love the fact this teen is reading a playboy while shitting, as you do. Also, a thin broom handle can stop this well-built 18-year-old from escaping, seriously. I mean, he can't kick that door down, there's one thin-ass piece of wood holding that door shut. And note, the body that falls out dead was a wax sculpt covered in sugar water, which had hundreds if not thousands of bees on top of it. You know, it was like flies moving on. Cut to Mel, panicking, he'll be sued, as yet another teen body is found dead. You fucking think? You should have closed down the camp after the first teen, not covered it fucking up. Anyway, Mel thinks it's Ricky, so goes to deal with him. Cut to Angela sneaking around outside the boys' cabins. She's snuck up by Paul. She thinks he's a serial killer, but he just laughs it off because, eh. He then talks her into going down to the lake where they play kiss chase. Paul catches her and kisses her and tries to cop a feel, but Angela says no. He does so anyway. Hello, no means no. Cut to flashbacks of young Angela and Peter watching their dad in bed for another man. So that's what happened to the wife then. She divorced his ass and he's a weekend father. Cut to yet another flashback of young Angela and Peter falling around. What the fuck? Angela snaps back to reality and forces Paul off. Next day, it's a game of catch, capture the flag. Uh, what's what's left of the campers? I'm guessing the others took their kids away because there's only about 20 to 30 of them left, but moving on. Paul tries to smooth things over for Angela, but she's having none of it and walks off. So Judy jumps in and takes over. Ricky finds Angela walking alone in the woods, so talks into helping him capture the flag. Why? Note, here's where they painted the leaves green. Anyway, Ricky finds Paul with Judy all over him in the woods, as Angela finds him 
and she just runs off with Paul chasing after her. So Judy is left there to just gloat like a little bitch that she fucking is. Later, Paul tries to sweet talk Angela at Lakeside, but she's having none of it. Up walks Judy to portal into the wound, telling Angela he called her a prude. She then goes on to tell Angela that he's not a no big deal where it counts, then tries to throw her into the lake. God damn you, ambulance. Cut to Mel quizzing Ricky as to how his summer went. This goes nowhere. Back to Angela who is burning holes into Judy as she calls her a spoiled fucking little brat. Meg walks up to force Angela into the water. Ricky tries to stop this but Mel holds him screaming he's the fucking killer. You're the one who killed the other boys. I saw you at the the cabins. I saw you at the, 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 the what the hell the place was moving the fuck on. Ronnie then stops him from slapping him so Ricky runs to save Angela as Meg just throws her into the lake. I mean, Angela can't stand up for herself. Younger kids then throw sand on Angela as Ricky takes her to sit on a bench completely drenched in lake water. That night, Ronnie tells all the camp councillors that that evening is the final dance. Why is there still 10 councillors for 20 fucking kids? What the fuck? Ronnie then sends Eddie, played by Fred Green, into the woods with the little kids that are left over as Meg is giving the night off. So got to... Meg hitting on Mel, so he asks her for dinner at 9 o'clock. I really love your 20 and he's 60 fucking too. Who the fuck am I to judge? Moving on. Cut to Meg in the boy's shower room. Because apparently the girl's shower room does a queue, so she can't use that one. She goes into the boy's one. Looks like it's empty. As the killer slices up from behind through an aluminium wall using a Mozart's knife. Again, no horror film with salt doesn't do a fucking shower kill. And note, that's a real knife slicing through the aluminium metal as fake blood is poured through the holes. The killer then washes the blade. Why? As in the woods, Eddie sets up camp, then leaves to get wood for the campfire. Outside the last dance, Paul hits on Angela as she asks him where Ricky is, sitting in a fucking red herring. He then asks for forgiveness, so she says meets her down by the lake later that night. Cut to the killer, chopping up the camp with auto boys, as Eddie leaves to get the jeep. He then returns, finding all the kids dead. It's now 10.30 at night. Mel is looking for Meg, so he heads to the rec hall where the dance is now dying out. He asks Susie where Meg is, and she tells him she might be inside the boys' shower room. Off he goes to hunt down for Meg. Judy then... Sorry, Judy's date... And then runs off and leaves her because Mel walks in and asks her why she's reading alone in the dark and blah 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 blah. Leaving her all alone to be in the cabin to be killed by the killer who forces a curling iron up her vagina while putting a pillow over her face. Mel then finds Meg's body dead, goes insane, so hunts down Ricky. And I love the fact that this body been in the shower for hours, yet Mel, sorry, Meg just falls dead as Mel touches the shower curtain. That's another one's apparently. And note, that's just a simple wax up down the body. So it was a 10 cent fucking um, effect. Anyway, back in the woods, Eddie finds the bodies of all the kids hacked up. So throws up and runs for help. Ronnie gets a call from the police telling him Eddie called them about the kids and they were there in a few minutes. As Mel catches Ricky spying on Ronnie, he drags him into the woods as he beats the ever-loving fuck out of him. And according to Jonathan Tiersten, some of these slaps were real. Anyway, 
Ronnie runs around camp telling all the camp counselors to get all the kids in one place. Once leaving Ricky for dead, Mel realises he's a killer and runs away in order not to get sued. So the killer catches him and nails him with an arrow through the throat. Frank, the cop, pulls up with his Marx Brothers moustache. I swear to God, the moustache is drawn on by a fucking sharpie. So, um, runs around the place with the camp councils to find the killer. Meanwhile, down by the lakeside, things are getting hot and heavy with Angela and Paul. She tells him to go skinny dipping as in the woods, Frank the cop finds Ricky's beaten body. And note, he was supposed to be dead here, but at the last minute it was changed, hence why the fans think there's two killers. Meg's body is then found next. Susie and Ronnie hear Angela singing to herself, so follow the sound down to the lake, and here they find Paul's dead, decapitated body, as a naked Angela is caressing the, the, the head. It's Peter! So all along, Angela was Peter. As he hisses, frozen still with a look of horror on his face. Flashback time to young Peter, being forced to be a girl by the insane aunt because she already had a boy. Wait, so did Ricky know that Angela was a boy all along? Was Ricky indeed the second killer? How did Auntie get away with this thing for years? Surely the fuck a social worker and or a teacher at a school must have realised what was going on here with Peter. What in the actual fuck movie? And note, the production team paid a 20-year-old man 50 bucks to do this nude scene, shaved him completely bald, and placed that mask on his face, so he was so drunk he could barely stand. Also, this mask was made using dental acrylic, and was paper thin with two glass eyes. And what I want to know here, what is with the wide-eyed, opened-mouth growl as freeze-frame credits roll? So, that was Sleepaway Camp. I'm not going to lie here, this is pretty dull. The killings are good, if a little cheap, the acting is beyond fucking porn level. And indeed, the sound is terrible. None of the teens are likeable, not even Angela or indeed the lovemouth Ricky. The twist ending is blown along time ago and makes no fucking sense. How in the fuck did that auntie manage to keep that secret hidden for that length of time? This isn't a trans movie or a drag movie, but it was an insane woman forcing a boy to be a girl. That is not trans. Overall, this is pretty much a basic slasher. I'm going to give this thing a 5 out of 10. Still, come back this week as I look at Sleepaway Camp 2, then the rest of the month for the rest of the movies. Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe, and follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's A Pod. Check out my other horror franchise podcasts such as a House, Aliens, Resident Evil, Predator, and more. Also, my solo podcast, Off Nightmare on Street 3, The Thing, Carrie, Christine, and many, many more. A bye, and remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to. Mm-hmm.